to CMF Digital, where the unadulterated word of God comes to you wherever you are. Today's episode is the first of a two-part series on how to study the Bible. Taking us through is Mr. Bright Abwaje, the current Acting Zonal Ministry Coordinator for the Mid-Ghana Zone of Gafis and the Campus Ministry Coordinator of our fellowship. He's an alumnus of UCC, pursuing a master's degree in French and division bearer of the Strategic Muslim Ministry, a wing in Gafis. In today's episode, we look at who God is, why we need to study God's Word, and how we can study God's Word more effectively. Let's delve into today's message. Lord, we are at your feet this morning, trying to understand how, O oh God, we can study your word. Lord, we pray for wisdom. We ask, O oh God, that you will help us to understand your word. Lord, we can never understand your word by our own selves. We ask that you help us to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right from the beginning of the Bible, we get a clear sense that God is a God who speaks. He is not a God who is kind of silent and does not speak at all. Rather, he's revealed as the God who speaks. So in Genesis, chapter 1, we get a clear sense, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, emphasis on verse 3, says, and God said, so God speaks. In fact, in Psalm 115, we also get it clearly that the idols are not like our God. And one of the things that in verse 5 or Psalm 115, it says they have mouth but they do not speak yes but they do not see and this is talking about the idols and that was in sharp contrast to yahweh the god that you and i serve he is a god who speaks he has mouth he speaks and he has spoken in the past and so when we are coming to scripture one of the first things that we need to realize is number one god speaks Number two, we must understand that there are two kinds of revelation. The first is what we call the general or the natural revelation. What do we mean by general or natural revelation? General revelation is what we see in Psalm 19. And in Psalm 19, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. Day by day pours our speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their word to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them 
and there is nothing hidden from it heat so we get a clear sense that this is nature revealing god that when we look at the sun when we look at the stars when we look at what is all around us god has revealed himself to us through nature or we can actually come to know god through what has been created and that is why clearly paul makes an argument in romans to buttress further this point that in romans chapter one people are without excuse people who claim the non-existence of god are without excuse because paul says because of creation it is very evident that what we see all around us gives credence to the fact that there is a god somewhere and so clearly the psalmist tells us that what we see in romans chapter 1 also telling us that what we see all around us really is an indication of the fact that there is a god and he communicates through his creation we get to know his power we get to know his mind we get to know who he is through creation the second is special revelation special revelation is a record of what god has done through specific people in specific places at specific times and so we see god's a record of god's relationship with abraham with noah and with isaac and others in scripture that is god revealing himself because there's one thing you need to understand by revelation revelation is to say that we cannot know god until he unless he actually reveals himself to us there is no way you and i with finite minds can know the infinite the only way we can know the infinite is when the infinite himself reveals himself to us out of his grace reveals himself to us and that is important to know that we cannot know god unless god has actually revealed himself to us so in hebrews chapter 1 the bible makes it clear it said long ago at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophet but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world and so we get a clear sense of how god has been speaking in the past how in the past he spoke to our fathers through the prophet so he revealed himself and god has been revealing himself in that way so we see clearly in psalm 19 7 to 11 the law of the lord is perfect reviving the soul if you need to study god's word because it is perfect it is perfect number two it revives your soul if you are looking for something to revive your soul it is god's word it is perfect we are looking for perfection in our world 
there are many things we are looking for, whether we will ever achieve perfection and all of that. But the word of God responds clearly that the only thing that is perfect clearly, the Bible says the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect. Revive your soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Sure means dependable. It can be trusted. We are living in an uncertain times. And the Bible says the only ever abiding certain thing is the word of God. In Isaiah 40 verse 8, it says, oh, my, All things will pass away, um, but my word will not pass away. Say the flower will fade. All those things will come to a halt. But it says, the only ever abiding thing is God's word. Then it makes wise. It makes wise. We are, we are looking for wisdom. Get into God's word. Let it help you understand how to be wise when you read proverbs you will learn how you can be wise it is by god's word if you are looking for how you can be even wiser than the ancient wiser than your, your teachers it is by god's word the precepts of the lord are right we are in a time where we can't decipher right from wrong it is god's word that will help us god's word will help you to know what is right Rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Purity is some is a big deal these days, but God's word brings purity. There's nothing as pure as God's word. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord is true. We are living in a time where people are talking about the deadness of truth, that truth is dead. But the Bible says, no, truth is not dead. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. In fact, those who are saying truth is dead, they actually believe what they are saying is true. Can you imagine? So that tells us the, the, the logical statement that we go about making if we don't have trust in God's word. God's word is true. More to be desired than gold. It says that if there's anything you ought to desire, it is God's word. And the women will understand gold, Benedicta and others, Ruth, and others, Vanessa, will understand the truth of God's word because they they use gold, they crave for gold ornament and all of that. But the Bible tells us that it is God's word that is supposed to be desired more than gold. Even much, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and dripplings of the honeycomb. God's word is sweeter. So we, 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 we have a plethora of reasons why we need to really study God's word. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. There is warning. When you study God's word, you will come to know the warnings. We come to know all these things. So these are the reasons why we need to study God's word. All the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers but they delight you see they, they, these people they don't delight in doing those three things they don't delight in following the advice of the wicked they don't delight to stand around with sinners or they don't do delight in joining in with mockers but where is their delight is it is in the law of the lord and they showed their delight by meditating on it day and night. Day and night. It is only by this 
meditation of God's word, their delight in God's word, they show their delight in God's word by meditating on it. And they do, when they do this, the Bible says their fruitfulness. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Where have you been planted? In one way or the other, the scripture is telling us that we are all like trees. We are all like trees. But then, where have you been planted? Where you've been planted is dependent on whether you, you delight in God's word and you express that delight in meditating on it day and night. We are all being called also to fruitful lives. But you can only bear fruit depending on how you treat God's word. Many of us are not bearing fruit because of how we treat God's word. God's word is not a priority. We are not learning to study. We don't spend time with God's word. So in doing what we call the IBS or inductive Bible study, this inductive Bible study is key because we are actually moving from fact we gather the fact and the fact will lead us to a conclusion many times what deductive study deductive study does is that we rather have a fair idea of the conclusion and then we look for fact to support it but inductive method is not like that inductive method we are moving from the fact we gather the fact okay we look at this and then this and then that and then that we look at where the fact is leading or the fact are leading and then we follow you understand so that is an important thing to note now let's go into the using the inductive method to study the bible in inductive method we use three principles the principles of observation then interpretation and then application observation interpretation application these are the three principles which will help us to really do a good study of the biblical passage that we will be studying so these three principles the observation the observation is answering to the question what does the passage say what are the facts in there not what does it mean you've not gone to interpretation yet you are still at observation asking what does it say and then just after you have looked at the test closely looked at the fact what does it say what is this saying in what are the truth in there no etc that we come to that point of the interpretation those things are said what do they really mean and then after interpreting them and after interpreting them you now begin to realize okay so this is what it means or it meant when they wrote it now how do i apply it to my life in the as a 21st century christian how then do i apply it to my life so 
because of time, I'll just pause at 40. And then next week, we'll delve into now the three of the things proper. So let me end here by saying that when we are trying to do the inductive method, we need to actually build a progression. So we start with the details and build out the whole thing we are studying into now a synthesis. And we do this by looking at three ways, principles, observation, answering the question, what does the text say, interpretation, what does the text mean, application, how does this text apply to my life? But in trying to observe, do proper observation of any text, there are three things that we need to take into consideration. In doing a proper observation of a text, we need three other principles we need to take notice of. We need to take note of to help us to do proper, good, biblical observation of any biblical passage. What are these three principles? Number one is context. We must respect the context of what we are studying. Number two, we must respect the content. Number three, we must respect the connections. So the context, the contents, and the connections. Now, as Lindsay Osberg will put it, says, knowing what type of things to look for when you're observing a passage of the bible will help you to be attentive to the text and see more than you normally do so observation the principles and the observation of context content connections they help us to really focus on the Bible passage. They help because it's virtually directing us to know exactly what we are looking for. If you are not looking for something, your attention span on that thing is very limited. But if you know exactly what you are looking for, you get in there and you'll be able to actually do a better observation of that thing. I end with context. Next week, we'll go into details exactly what we mean by all these things that I've put out there. But if you are talking about context, the context is virtually the setting of the statement. The setting, if you are saying the context, the things surrounding it, you see, the, the surrounding or the surrounding of this, the surroundings of the statement really have influence on really what the meaning of that statement is and should be. So Lindsay again says that the setting of a statement is necessary to grasp its significance and intended force. N.T. Wright explains the importance of context with the example of a simple statement. It is going to rain. Whether or not the hearer responds to that statement with rejoicing or, dis or disappointment depends on the context. If the context is a farming context that is suffering from prolonged drought, then the announcement of rain is wonderful news. But if the setting is a family vacation or Disney World, 
it is going to rain will be met with groans. In this scenario, the degree to which it is bad news will intensify based on other elements of the narrative, such as whether or not it has rained every day thus far, or if this is the last day of the vacation. The context, imply, the context supplies an implicit narrative, and the force of the statement depends on the role that it plays within those different potential narratives. Thank you, Ellen, for your question. So we must always come to Bible study with a very um, serious look. And I like the question because that's what, virtually what it does. It helps us to know exactly what the version to use because there are so many versions out there. When it comes to versions of the Bible, we must know what every version of the Bible seeks to do. Now, next week, I will, I will respond very much elaborately to this. But then it's just to say that they are what we call the dynamic translations. And there's word-to-word translation. And there's also the free kind of translation. Example of the word-to-word is the King James. That seeks to do word-to-word translation. So it's not really concerned about the construction or anything, but it's making making sure it's faithful to interpret and translating it word for word. But then the dynamic example is like NIV, ESV, RSV. All these, they more are focused on the meaning rather than just where to where. So they look at how can I convey the meaning? So take, for example, um, a passage that love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In a context where the heart is the most important, in quote, organ, then the heart will be used. But in a context where I learned some cultures is that liver, they consider that liver as the most. So that translation is possible to become love the Lord your God with all your liver. And why are they trying to do this? It's because they want to convey the meaning. Now, let me give you another cultural example. In our context, sugar is not the sweetest thing. In our context, it is the sugar cane. Because that is that we extract and get sugar from. In other context, it is honey. So for some context, it is the sugar cane or the sugar. But in another context, it is the honey that is the sweetest thing. So when in our context, we are looking at the sugar cane as the sweetest thing and not the honey, it is likely that we will compare the word of God more to sugar cane now than to honey. What is the essence of all of it? It's to communicate meaning. And so we'll go to the text. We look at, in the original text, it used this word. But in this one, it has used this word. It's because we are looking at meaning. And that's how the dynamic equivalence come, come in to help us. But when it comes to um, the freelance like the um, NLT, New Living Translation, and then um oh the most popular one um there i i've forgotten but we have a very 
I mean, it translates freely, you know, and those ones we don't really use in Bible study. You, you, they are good when you are come, you are reading it, uh, but in terms of really trying to know exactly how things are said and all that, you, I will recommend RSV, ESV. These are very good in Bible study. Yeah, but next week I will try and emphasize these things more. So the Gospels are really important and most of the times we recommend the Gospel of Mark to start with, the Gospel of Mark. The Gospels really help us and that is virtually what this training is about. We'll start from there and then we'll look at how then do you study the Gospels, what are the germs and all of that and that will help us. So that is very important, yeah. So as for this question, it's a question of cultural interpretation. And it was because of what was happening in Corinth at that time, how the women were not being submissive and how they were doing. So they, they physically showed submission by that act of the covering of the hair. But the context that sometimes we ask ourselves, is there a way a woman can be submissed to a man without necessarily covering it, his hair and her hair? And so it's important for us to know this. But then when we have understood how we can really come to meaning, some of these questions would be some of the things that will be easier to tackle. This is still CMF Digital. We hope you've been blessed by this life-transforming message. Join us again next time. Know Christ, make him known. Knowing Christ, making him known, the health profession for Christ. <laughs>